Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, the first head. And I'm Dane, the seven-up head. Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast. You know that, because you're listening to it on your podcatcher. Shit, I should have been the heads-up seven-up head. Idiot. Idiot. You idiot. Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games where we discuss our favorite hobby, share our thoughts with you, and sometimes play some games. Uh, Dane, what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to be revisiting novel gameplay mechanics. Mm-hmm. We're calling this episode Novel Gameplay Mechanics 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, faithful <laughs> listeners might remember that. That was in our early our earliest block of episodes, I think, or maybe our second block of episodes. Y'all don't actually know how they're broken up because we don't, we don't release them by season or anything. But No. Anyways, uh, we talked about novel gameplay mechanics before. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about it again, maybe a little more in depth. Mm-hmm. And definitely different. Continuing the conversation and not just rehashing a bunch of shit you already thought of. Mm-hmm. Definitely the examples we have today are new. Are new. Uh, the ideas and examples for novel gameplay mechanics are new. Some of the but, advice might be the same, but we want to talk about it again because... So we're going to go over what they are real quick, right? Yeah. Uh, even though we've already done that, but for those of you who maybe didn't catch that episode, uh, and then like why, you know, what and why, mm-hmm. why would you do this? And then we're going to get into supplemental and persistence, right? Is Are they going to stick around or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're just going to talk about some fun ideas. We're going to throw some ideas. See what sticks to the board. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, we're going to talk about, you know, if you like one of these ideas or if you think of something else on your own and you're like, I want to add this twist to my game. How do you? Because that's the last thing we always talk about, how to apply it once you've, you know, thought of it. The application. Mm-hmm. All right. So what are novel gameplay mechanics? Mm-hmm. Well, last time, I can't remember how we described it last time. Um might have been worth pulling that up, but eh. Um, right now. Yeah. So, a novel gameplay mechanic is something different than how it usually works, basically. Um, and it might be in addition to how the rest of your role-playing game system always works. It might be something, you know, that you add on to it. Or it might be a change to something existing. That's a change. It's a change to gameplay, right? So, yeah. like... It doesn't have to be as uh, perverse as, like, 2 plus 2 now equals 6. Yeah. But, you know, maybe 2 plus 2 equals blue 4. Mm-hmm. Right? Something like that. Um, so it's just kind of, yeah, changes to the way things normally work or additions to the way things mm-hmm. have been working. I would say, so in our outline... It says major changes to gameplay, and I want to I want to highlight that. I want to lean on the word gameplay because it's not the same thing, and this would be a different conversation and something that I feel not very qualified for. It's not the same thing as, like, tweaking the... Balance. The balance, tweaking stats or tweaking, like, you know, maybe you're playing Dungeons & Dragons and you change the way your characters roll stats, or you change what their proficiency bonus is. Maybe you just, like, decide in my game, proficiency bonus starts at plus five, and it just stays at plus five forever. I don't know. 
that's that's a different thing. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is you know ways to change the actual gameplay, the way they, the way your players interact with the world, in some way, or the way the world affects them. Mm-hmm. Not talking about stats or customizing systems or hacking. That's... Uh, and like yeah, so like an example of something that's already built in uh, to some games is like half movement speed. Oh, when you are you have a certain status effect, you can only move half your speed. Mm-hmm. Right? That's novel because it's not all the time because it's you have a movement speed that's you know, forty, say. And then oh, sometimes I can only move half of that. So it's novel. It doesn't um, yeah. every time it's not every time. That'd be yeah. Real quick example of that is just like you're gonna do a whole one shot where like everyone is standing in mud. Like the dungeon, the floor is just always mud. Mm-hmm. So everyone moves slow and everyone yeah. has this like that's a novel gameplay mechanic for that. Right. So why? Because it enriches and customizes your gameplay experience, like a this dungeon is full of mud. Mm-hmm. This is the mud dungeon. It's interesting. And there's a mud elemental that's the main boss, and everything is muddy and slippery. And that's it. You know, if that is what you need to enrich and customize your gaming experience, then that's what you you do. Um, A lot of these things that we're going to talk about are things that are stolen from other game systems, mixed and matched from game systems, or ideas that you steal from, like, fiction or video games. You're like... I read this in a novel, or I, you know, played this, this weird thing happened in, like, Halo, or whatever. I want to make that happen in my role-playing game. Right, uh, another example of novel gameplay mechanic would be replacing your hit points with something different, like a madness mechanic. Mm-hmm. So, boom, now... What started as a fantasy campaign is now a horror. Yeah. Something like that. Or, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you do or don't have that madness idea, but you still want to replace hit points. Maybe it doesn't, you don't roll damage and just count down hit points. Instead, you roll on, like, ascending injuries table. So every time they get hit, something, you know, happens to them that makes it harder for them to fight. And then... Well, you're just talking about afterlife. Well, that's how the Eclipse engine works. Um, I don't really have a way to, like, insert that into D&D yet. I've thought about it a couple of times. But the point is, say you're playing whatever, and you want to make it more lethal. You want to make it more, like, dangerous. Okay. Get rid of hit points. Bring in some sort of death spiral injury mechanic instead. That's, you know, that's the sort of thing we're talking about today. Yeah, that's this novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, so supplemental and uh, persistent, right? Um, supplementing HP with another thing, mm-hmm. like a madness uh, mechanic or like a injury table, yeah. something like that, right? That's a supplement. Um, so you put in some additional or optional rules, mm-hmm. right? The, the basic ones that are real easy examples, low-hanging fruit, uh, you know, it's pretty hot right now, are like the survival ones. Mm-hmm. So like a hunger mechanic or a thirst right. or encumbrance. Now, 
from what I understand, like, D&D has an encumbrance mechanic, and I'm sure there's, like, some table for tracking, like, food and, uh, you know, hunger and thirst, that sort of thing. Like, those rules exist, mm. but they are supplementary where, you know, meaning that you're not necessarily always expected to use them, but they exist for right. you to, like, turn on mm. if you want to customize your if game. that's, like, what your party wants to do. It's like, we want to do a real gritty, like... I don't know, trek through the desert. Yeah. Right. And it's about scavenging supplies and managing resources and surviving to get to the other side. You turn something like that on, you know. Um, and the other the other aspect of this is, like, we're talking about things that are probably permanent. Last episode, we talked about using one-shots to, like, test out stuff like mm -hmm. this. And they wouldn't be permanent because mm -hmm. it's just a one shot. Right. But like, ooh, what if it was really cool? Generally speaking, what we're talking about today is like finding some sort of supplement that customizes your gaming experience to be more like what you want it to be and making it a permanent addition. So, you know, last week, last episode, two weeks ago. Uh, we talked about how, you know, if you're gonna use novel gameplay mechanics in a one shot. Make it something the players don't have to learn. Make it something that, like, you keep track of and mm. you tell them how it works because it's not necessarily going to be recurring. It's not necessarily going to affect them when they get back to the main story, whatever. This is the sort of stuff... The stuff we're, the stuff we're talking about today is the sort of stuff that, like, you should probably take the time to explain to your players Yeah, because it's going to be persistent. It's going to persist throughout the campaign. It's going to be a feature of the campaign. Yeah, the feature of the campaign. I like that. Let's put that put on Put that the on the board. Novel gameplay mechanics. Yeah. It is a feature of your campaign. It's what is special about It's not just like a bland fantasy. Right. You add a madness mechanic, it's now fantasy horror. Right. This is the twist. This is the hook. You know, you're like, hey, players... I'm getting I'm getting a new campaign together. Who wants to play? It's you know whatever, but with a twist. All right. So you know some fun ideas, right? I mean, we were talking a lot about uh, the madness, right? A game that does that really well. Darkest Dungeon. It's not a tabletop role playing game. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. But it is a fantastic game. Yeah. We've already plugged it on this show. I think a few times. Uh, uh, and we might do a whole thing talking about just, yeah. like, the lessons you can learn from Darkest Dungeon. Mm -hmm. but A lot of good stuff from Darkest Dungeon. Yeah. Today, though, we're talking about stress and quirks from Darkest Dungeon. Mm -hmm. So, this would be a really fun thing to add to a campaign. Um, if you wanted to push the idea of, you know... If you wanted to push the idea of horror, first of all, and you wanted to, like focus on the idea that adventuring is dangerous and uh, bad for your health. Yeah, bad for your health, both mental and physical. So uh, Darkest Dungeon has a fantastic stress mechanic where like every time they take damage, and some attacks from bad guys only cause stress. Sometimes they don't cause damage, they just cause stress. So essentially what you're doing is you're adding another uh, metric next to hit points but this one, instead of counting down, it counts up. And when it hits certain thresholds, you have to make some sort of 
roll check in order to not develop some sort of negative stress reaction. Right. And it's not just when they get attacked. They Characters in Darkest Dungeon gather... or Their stress increases just walking down the spooky dungeon. Mm-hmm. Just like time in the dungeon mm-hmm. increases stress. And so that'd be a thing. You're like every... You know... Every night... Yeah, every night you like you roll, you roll a d20 and everyone, you know, you roll you roll for every character and you see how much stress they're picking up from just being there. But then, you know, maybe your party um, maybe your party has a bard in it mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, can I uh, game master? Can I play a song for everyone around the campfire? Can I try and like keep their spirits up?" And you're like, "Okay. Give me a performance roll and then set that against, you know, mm-hmm. one of their stats and depending on how well they do maybe you can reduce the stress Mm -hmm. but if they hit certain thresholds then have them roll on a table of bad things that can happen they can develop phobias they can you know develop um it doesn't always have to be bad right they can get like uh, yeah if they you you know know, if they nat 20 it right like forest uh forest explorer or something mm -hmm. like that where like they they get a bonus to their damage in the creepy forest because they're so at home in the creepy forest mm-hmm. that they don't worry about stress or something like that. And this is a really interesting thing. A thing, an idea that I really like. Uh, I really like the idea of including this in pen and paper role playing game because when you roll for these like stressed uh, symptoms, when you get these like symptoms and quirks and afflictions. Those are things that, like, you give to your player. That's like giving them a handout, but a bad mm-hmm. one. Yeah. And like, hey, <laughs> now uh, you don't trust this other character. And, you know, you're the game master. So that's not, we talked about uh, the spheres of responsibility and who's in charge of what. You don't get to tell them how to respond to that. But you say, like, hey, you don't trust so-and-so now. And now they're like, okay, great. You've given them a fucking superb role-playing prompt for them to like add to their character and now their character is that much richer because as they continue this dungeon they're like mm, looking sideways at their buddy the whole time <laughs> and their buddy might figure it out and they're like hey what's your problem why don't you what's you know trust deal, me anymore? man and they're gonna have to like work through that and maybe they can you know maybe they can overcome it have an argument or have a discussion maybe a couple good rolls in there, and they can, you know, overcome it and get back to the way they were, lose that negative effect. But the point is, they were just, like, they were getting more and more, they were getting deeper into playing their characters. Mm-hmm. It enriched it. Yeah. Right? It enriches. Which is what we go for here on 2HGM. Uh, kind of parallel is um example from Call of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. which is a tabletop. Yeah, role-playing is game. a tabletop role-playing game. They have a sanity mechanic. There is the prevalent feature of sanity. And Call of Cthulhu is generally investigation-focused with a less of a... less emphasis on combat because, you know, it's about people who, yeah, like, you know, maybe they're private investigators or, like, old-timey detectives or, you know, scholars. Maybe they can get in a gunfight with a person, but when a horror from beyond the stars explodes out of, like, an artifact in a museum, that's not a thing that you beat with, you know, your detective special shooting bullets at it. 
you deal with it, you know, through investigation. You find, like, the spell in the haunted book that, you know... Yeah, you do a, you know, go, go, team runaway. Does the, yeah. <laughs> team runaway. Uh, you do the thing that, you know, you do the clever thing that banishes the demon. It's not about that. But uh, heavily heavily featured in the Call of Cthulhu mythos and in the role-playing game is the idea of sanity, that these things are, you know, beyond our comprehension to the point where they're harmful to your health. And they start breaking your brain. Yeah. And that's going to have some effects, right? The more unhinged you become, it's, uh, it changes the gameplay, mm-hmm. right? That's novel gameplay mechanics. Changes the gameplay. Hmm. Another, um, along the same line is just a more general idea. We have a few different examples that come under this one. Is just the idea of corruption, which is similar to sanity. And it could uh, mm-hmm. it could be tied together, depending on what you do. Um, but the idea that like there's some sort of force or mechanic in the world that slowly erodes you know, the characters like soul or humanity in Mental some way. Faculty, yeah. right? And sometimes it comes with bonuses but they have to like stay below a certain threshold before they like go insane or turn into a monster or whatever. Um, Warhammer Fantasy and the uh, the Zweihander hack for it, you know, that has chaos. That has like the malignant influence of chaos. And as things happen to you, as you're exposed to dark magic and you know the horrors from beyond our world, you run the risk of developing you know mutations and. Uh, devolving into like a hideous monster but sometimes it starts out okay you're like oh I mutated some I I, I got like mutant eyes or whatever mm-hmm. and now I've like gained dark vision I don't know I, I'm not super familiar with the Warhammer Fantasy role playing game um, but like it could be okay at first but then it becomes a thing that you need to hide because being a mutant is bad and the witch hunters will burn you if they catch you and if you get too far gone you just become a monster and you have to hand over your character sheet you're not a player anymore oh, no. that guy's not dead but uh you know you have to give it over to the game master because they've lost their humanity they've lost their mind and that's a risk that you run by coming into contact with stuff right uh similar example is cyberpsychosis from cyberpunk. Right. More more corruption, right? The more mm-hmm. you do it, the worse it gets. Yeah. But you know, you might become the more, more cybernetic powerful, you are, right? right? You uh you know, you get stronger, you get, you know, augmented muscles, you get replacement limbs, you, you get like blades on your hands. Yeah, concealed weapons, all kinds of stuff, but the less human you are, the more machine you are. The, the more you develop this cyberpsychosis mechanic, which eventually can... Drive you crazy, yeah. and like um, the Warhammer fantasy, you lose your humanity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we put those together. Those are two examples from completely separate, unrelated role-playing experiences. But the idea is corruption. The idea yeah. is that, you know, like you're becoming less human, maybe gaining some power that way but also you know running a mm. significant risk as you continue the campaign as you continue down this path of you know this path away from humanity Ooh. you know Ooh. really focusing on the uh 
the themes of those worlds. Uh, exponential, no. Existential. Ex, yeah, the question. existential, um, you know, what is humanity? What does it even mean to be human, man? <laughs> what is reality, man? If right, I more live in grounded, a computer. <laughs> more grounded than, <laughs> than theorizing like that. Uh, we talked about it already. Uh, modified damage, mm-hmm. uh, like a major injuries table, uh, where instead of health points counting down, the injuries count up, right? Mm-hmm. So like, oh, broke your leg, oh, broke your arm, oh, yeah. broke your other arm. And those, you know, those can add up to death, but the point is like each one does something uniquely different. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this one a lot because it's one of the first like major things that we wrote when we were coming up with our afterlife setting and when we wrote the Eclipse Engine to mm-hmm. run it, we didn't do damage dice, we didn't do hit points, we did uh, an injury table where we wrote out a bunch of injuries and so the damage is reduced by like your armor and toughness. So if you're really tough and you get hit, you're probably just going to get knocked around. But as you continue to get knocked around, that number goes down. And so you're more likely to roll higher on the table where the more lethal effects are. Yeah. Um, I fucking love it. I haven't come up with a way to replace damage dice and hit points in D&D smoothly. We've been playing... Well, not, f- not completely. Not like, completely, but we've been, you know, we've been playing a fair amount of D&D, and that, that's like a cool hack I would like to bring into it. I'm sure something exists on the internet, but, mm-hmm. you know, the way we are, I would prefer to write it myself. And, you know, do yeah. it. But... I would say I fucking love that. It makes um, it makes killing bad guys fun and easier. So like you're more likely to just chew through a horde of goblins and have it still feel satisfying. Mm-hmm. But it also means that players have to like watch themselves because yeah. they're subject to the same effects. And if they get too far, if they get too wounded, then they mm-hmm. risk the same things. You know that they're visiting on the enemy. Which increases the suspense, right? Because, like, if if you're just taking damage, if it's just health points, oh, the monster hits you, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, you see the DM or whatever, roll the dice behind the shit, the sheet, but, like, you know, like, oh, he only rolled one dice. So, like, at maximum, right? You Six gotta, or eight damage. You gotta, you know, start to think that way. Mm-hmm. But, like, on a table that's, like, you could suffer a broken leg... Or a sucking chest wound, you're like, please, uh, you know, don't don't get hit, don't get hit. Oh, I got hit. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Uh, glancing blow, glancing blow, glancing blow. Oh, great. My arm is off. My arm is <laughs> gone now. Right. You know, it's it's much more suspenseful when like your gameplay can. Ch- I try to snap my fingers. When your gameplay changes like that, where. Before, you had two arms. Mm-hmm. Now you only got one. So much for uh, two-weapon fighting, am I right? <laughs> a D&D joke. Um, I will say, it's been mostly okay playing Dungeons & Dragons. Um, I, I feel like I, I did it all right, and Enzo's doing it pretty good, where you know combat doesn't feel like we're just hitting each other and rolling dice. Mm-hmm. I, I always imagine... Um, uh, 
the old school uh, Warcraft, Warcraft 3, before World of Warcraft, where they, like, you know, there's, like, the human knight and the orc with the axe, mm-hmm. and they're just, like, taking turns hitting each other, and their health bars are slowly going yeah. down. <laughs> that's, that's how D&D combat can feel when you use hit points and damage dice. There's tons of videos out there of, you know, good advice about how to liven that up. And I feel like most people do, but there is still just something unsatisfying about like, fuck yeah, I rolled a hit. Fuck yeah, I rolled my damage. Okay, they still get a turn. Even if it was good, they might not be dead yet and they just get another turn. But the idea of some sort of injury table and some sort of death spiral mechanic replacing hit points, I think it makes combat way more dramatic and interesting. Yeah, most certainly, most certainly. Um, another fun idea comes from Torg. You know how much we like to talk about Torg on this show. Mm, probably the weirdest one tonight, mm-hmm. and fitting that we saved it for last because I think we'll have a lot to say about this. Uh, so in tell Torg, them, yeah, tell them about the weird Torg thing. Uh, in Torg, the like premise of Torg is a bunch of different like realities are attacking Earth. So. When they attack Earth, they're, like, colonizing Earth to be, like, their reality where they came from. Mm -hmm. So you have a bunch of different realities competing with each other. So the Torg disconnect mechanic works if you were from a different cosm than where you currently were. On critical fails, you would get disconnected. Mm -hmm. So, like, the, the realities would, like, you know, fight each other. Yeah. Uh, I guess the best example is, like, if you were using a weapon, right, if you were from the the cosm of, like, the, like, Paleolithic, mm-hmm. you know, dinosaurs yeah. and cavemen. There's, like, a Conan the Barbarian mm-hmm. dinosaur land one. If you're from there and you're using a machine gun, like, yeah, you can still use a machine gun, but if you roll bad enough and, like, you know, the more uh, likely... Or the table increased, right? So if you were using a, a high-level weapon and you were out of your home realm, mm-hmm. the probability was more. If you disconnected, you would forget how to use that weapon. You'd just be like, "I what is this piece of metal I'm holding? I, I don't know if it was you forgot. I think, like, it was meant to be, like, the reality sort of disengages. And, like, the gun might still physically right. be yeah, there, yeah, yeah. but not really anymore. It, like, falls out of reality and doesn't yeah. work. And it's, yeah, and, right. So I, it's not that you forgot, but it doesn't mm-hmm. exist there anymore. Right. And there's some really cool stuff about how they did that. I felt like it was a lot to keep track of um, and you know, what's maybe just an overdeveloped mechanic, but it was a very cool thing. There's like seven different cosms in Torg, and each one has like home world attributes about how much magic there is and how much tech there is. Mm-hmm. And then like guns, uh, vehicles, equipment, spells, ideas even, had corresponding values. Like this is on the axiom of magic and it has such and such a value, mm-hmm. which made it more or less likely to work in different worlds. Which, oh, the the Nile Empire doesn't really understand this because their magic is based on, like, planets and stuff, where, like, this high fantasy magic is based on, like, gods. Mm -hmm. So 
if the gods like don't really exist in the universe that you've wandered into, does your magic work anymore? Mm -hmm. And you'd have to like, you'd have to succeed on these like synchronicity roles to stay connected to reality. Mm -hmm. Um, Very fiddly, very punishing in a way that I don't know was necessarily interesting because it was so punishing. It made it like, well, what do you do? You just have to like pick up a rock or you might forget why you're even there. Well, I think, I think, if we had spent a little more time in Torg, because, um, right, you know, that was early days in mm-hmm. role-playing, right? That was like some of if, the first stuff we did. I feel like if we went back now, I feel like it could, we could make it really fun. Um, I just think I wasn't... Uh, I didn't have enough tools in my Game Master tool belt at mm. that time to to put my own spin and like understand it properly we could yeah we could probably do it now but when we when we first started like we read it and we were you know we were conscious of it we were aware of it but we we didn't really implement it well we also took extreme steps in our character creation to avoid that yeah that and that was which kind of made bad characters Mm -hmm. because then all our you know stat points were eaten up by trying to avoid this thing Mm -hmm. That was, I would say, kind of like a rookie role-playing game, role-playing player thing to do. Where we're like, oh, you see a thing and you're like, that sounds bad. I'm going to make a character who that can't happen to. And in doing so, you actually lock yourself off from From an interesting... Yeah. You lock yourself out of something interesting that's meant to be core to the experience. Um, You know, so, you know. We don't have a lot of experience with this idea, but I will say it's hella interesting. And if you can get your hands on a copy of Torg, I I know it's out of print, but we got some used copies, and there might be there might be in print some digital copies. I would recommend just like exploring Torg, even if you never play it, even if you're like core D and D, or you know you only play Call of Cthulhu with your friends. That's it. Just, like, give Torg uh, a Whoopsie. shifty, because yeah. there is a ton of cool stuff in there, not least this disconnect mechanic. Each Cosm has, like, a separate magic system. Mm-hmm. The Nile Empire being based on, like, the stars, and so you had, like, a little simulator for uh, rolling to see... You know, what was in what, Rising or why? Yeah, I, I don't know astronomy. Astrology. Astrology. I don't know either. <laughs> Let's be fair, um, but yeah, there's there's this like whole astrology mechanic where you like roll to see what you're in tune with and what is rising or waning or whatever, and that unlocks or empowers different spells. This is all kinds of cool fucking shit in Torg, and mm-hmm. all of it is worth reading. And even if you never play Torg, there's a ton of stuff to steal feel like we've talked about that before we talked about the uh the drama cards yeah as you know a tool that you can use in a lot of different ways but anyway we're getting a little off topic we're talking about novel gameplay mechanics persistent supplemental mechanics to customize your role-playing game well i think we've got uh we've thrown a lot of ideas out there let's, let's talk about how to how to apply them the part, uh, the part that always comes after we talk about stuff. Because <laughs> it ain't school if you don't learn anything. Mm. Wait, this isn't school. 
No, it's fun. <laughs> School can be fun. It's fine. It's, Anyways. You know, this is fun. So how to apply this shit. So when you're thinking about bringing a novel gameplay mechanic in, mm -hmm. uh, you should consider the tone and setting that you're trying to go for. Mm -hmm. Right? Like if you want to be a high fantasy romp, probably not like a horror don't add horror stuff yeah. to it. Right? Or don't do a death spiral. Mm -hmm. You know? If you're playing something with kind of like a Lord of the Ringsy feel, you probably don't want a death spiral hit point supplement. You probably want to just stick with hit points. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the idea of chopping down goblins fun and all, but you also want to like be fully recovered when you camp at night and yeah. you want to be able to rely on certain things to just like reinforce mm -hmm. the tone of what you're doing. Right. Uh, but if you're going for like maybe like a pulpy um, in a detective case, mm -hmm. right? Um, maybe add like um, I don't know a suspicion mechanic. I don't know how that would work, but uh, you know your your players get more suspicious of like you know their suspects um, when they find stuff. They're like, oh, you found a red handkerchief. Well, that means, you know, this guy did it, right? Or something, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's it's about no, rein, it's yeah. about reinforcing, like, setting and genre, mm -hmm. basically. You know, and if you're doing... It, say you play Darkest Dungeon, the video game, and you're like, this is the kind of D&D &D adventure I want to run. I want it to be, you know, gritty and grimdark, and I want it to be all about, you know how mentally hard it is to do this, well then steal the stress mechanic from it. Maybe consider, you know, other limitations to, you know, character builds. Maybe you say, like, nobody can be magic user mm -hmm. except one character in the party. Yeah, That's not really a novel gameplay mechanic, but it's along the lines of, like, customizing it for the thing you want to do, which is why we're talking about novel gameplay mechanics in the first place. Yeah. Um... It's not really novel gameplay mechanics, but I think it does uh, belong in this conversation, like character restrictions. Mm. Like, oh, D&D, &D, you can be all these different types of, you know, characters, uh, classes, and uh, species and shit. Mm -hmm. So if you're going for a very specific tone and setting, maybe you limit. Maybe they can't be Dragonborn anymore. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe there's no dwarves. Um, or maybe there's only elves and dwarves, uh, you know. However, whatever. yeah. Stuff like that, and maybe that's a bigger conversation, because I would say, uh, I don't personally love Dungeons & Dragons as it's, like, written and presented, but I do think there's a lot of stuff in there that is great, and if you, like, if you look at all the stuff that's available in D&D, &D, and you treat all of it as, like, Lego blocks to pick and choose to make your campaign and you say like you know no spellcasters or only spellcasters or only this species and you use you know you use restrictions like that to build a bespoke fantasy experience then like Dungeons and Dragons starts to get really cool but I think when everything is available to everyone all the time it becomes kind of a chaotic mess well it has no consistency yeah it has it has very little um 
is very little to like help you believe this is a real place when just all this wacky shit is right. happening so constantly. This this is another thing uh, about doing a novel gameplay mechanic is consistency. <laughs> if if it's gonna be something that is a permanent change, it can't work differently from session to session. Yeah, right? it can't be some of the time. Um, like. Uh, keep going back to the, the like the stress insanity stuff like make a rule that oh only out in the wilderness do you get stress mm-hmm. right so you don't get stress in town oh except for like when you're doing something in town like i don't know if somebody calls you a mean name in town <laughs> you get stressed maybe not though right because the stress is supposed to come from the spooky wilderness not from getting called a mean name. Right. So maybe that does, maybe that doesn't. But mm-hmm. And, like, you know, of course, walk it back. There's always ways around that, you know, to keep it consistent. Maybe the guy who called you a bad name is, like, an eldritch squid mm-hmm. uh, in disguise. I don't know. Right. right? Well, I would yeah. say, you know, uh, we don't really have to walk that back the, because the point is consistency. Yeah. Like, maybe they can also accrue stress outside of the dungeon. Maybe mm-hmm. they can't. But establish it one way or the other, right. and then stick with it. Mm-hmm. Maintain because if it's going to be persistent, it also needs to be consistent. Hey, that rhymes. So it's true. Yeah, it must be. That's the law. If it's going to be persistent, it's got to be consistent. And you might not think of everything like when you bring this novel gameplay mechanic. You might not think of everything, right? Because that's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so when your players partition a question be like hey what about this and oh well i didn't think of that before just uh use your best judgment and then just stick to it you know write it down be like okay here's the answer to that question i gotta remember that Mm -hmm. so like i don't go back and change it later you know or maybe it is maybe your judgment really sucked that session Mm -hmm. and you just gotta apologize to your players and be like yeah, that's not how it's going to work anymore because I, I rethought it. And, and that's, as long as you tell your players, yeah, I think it's fine. That's totally okay to do as long as you communicate clearly mm-hmm. and then you know stick with the ruling from then on. Yeah, right. So I mean, that's that's the big thing is discuss with your players, right? Mm-hmm. Um, don't blindside them with some weird shit. Right. Make sure they know what's going on, how it works. If it's going to be persistent, it's got to be consistent. And also... <laughs> they need to know how it works in order to interact with it. Like, you can't have this thing going on behind the screen because, you know, like, they should know. They should know how it's going to work. Like, if if damage is going to work differently, Mm -hmm. like, if it's going to be a damage table, like a major injuries thing, they should know that um, so they can make decisions accordingly because if they're just thinking, like, yeah... You know, hit points. I got a bunch of hit points left. And then, like, oh, well, you broke your back, so now you can't move. What? Yeah. But why? Well, because, uh, you know, I'm using a different table. It might have been nice for that player to know that before they broke their back. Mm-hmm. Um, right? So, like, the idea of risk versus payoff. Um, oh, if you, you know, deal with uh, the chaos magic in Warhammer Fantasy... You're going to start to get mutated, mm-hmm. right? Oh, but here's what mutations can do for you. They can give you night vision. Right. Or dark vision, that's what it's called. Something. Um, yeah. They can give you dark vision. Mm-hmm. They can 
do all these things. Or, you know, the cyberpsychosis and cyberpunk. Mm. Like, you know, you get powerful arms yeah. that are, you know, completely mechanical, but, you know, you, there's are, a risk. you are giving up aspects of your humanity to do that. Mm. Um, my favorite example of this is from uh, a very cool product. My, probably, like, my favorite version of D&D that I've found so far, or my favorite, like, change to it, um, is the hack called Five Torches Deep. And it's actually, it's a separate book. But it's, you know, it's basically how to play D&D, but with slightly changed rules. Um, and the thing that I love about it is it doesn't have spell slots. Like, any spellcaster can attempt any spell that they know at any time. But instead of spending spell slots, they have to roll to do it. So you can, like, you can cast your fireball like crazy. Especially if you're high level and you're able to, like, cast two spells in a turn, something. But the trade-off of that... The risk, the payoff is you get to cast way more spells, but you have to roll for it. Mm -hmm. And the risk is on critical failures, you can die. There's a table of magical mishaps that can, you know, just harm you your up. party. They can melt all the, like, metal in the room so everyone just, like, doesn't have armor, doesn't have swords anymore. Or they can, like, get hurt from their armor melting on them. Um, or they can straight up just, like, explode <laughs> in a magical fireball. <laughs> And that is a risk that every spellcaster takes every time they cast a spell. Mm. I fucking love that. Um, that's the sort of, you know, risk versus payoff that you want to push. Because, like, if they're not getting anything new from it, why are you putting it in the game? Yeah. You know, maybe it's a little bit of ambience, but it's also just, like, more rules to keep track of. Or it's a change that you're going to have to explain. Mm -hmm. There better be something in it for your players. So, yeah, how to apply, that's kind of the last point we have here. Make it worthwhile. Hammer down on that risk versus payoff. Be like, this is how it's going to change. Mm -hmm. This is what is dangerous or different about it, but this is what you gain out of it also. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so that's, yeah, that's how to I apply. Think, yeah, I think that's, uh, so, you know, you should know what a novel gameplay mechanic is because we've talked about it twice now. Mm -hmm. um, but for those of you not paying attention, uh, it's a change to gameplay that enriches and customizes your gaming experience. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about uh, the idea of, like, supplemental and persistent changes. We talked about why you might do that. Um, and we talked about, like, the stuff you need to do in order to make it work. You need to be consistent. Um, and then we talked about a lot of fun examples. Mm -hmm. Hopefully uh, hopefully some of those stuck with you. I think all of those are really cool. And I absolutely love, you know, when you find something in a book you're reading or, like, in a video game. And you're like, this this would be perfect for this. Mm -hmm. And you start thinking of ways to put it in your in your game. Yeah, And maybe not one of those ideas stuck, but it got your juices flowing about something yeah. else you could Maybe steal. you remembered something else. I don't know. There's tons of stuff I've never played, like, you know, mm -hmm. all the Dark Souls games or, like, Fable or... I don't know. There's probably a ton of stuff out there that we're never going to mention. Maybe we've never even seen it. Maybe we'll never see it. But you might have seen it, and you're like... Yeah. That goes in my, that goes in my adventure. Um, we also went uh, through some ways... Some advice on how to apply it, mm. uh, right? So think about tone and your setting mm. before you implement something. Like, does it fit? Is it what you're going for? 
um, and then discuss with your players. That's mm-hmm. a big one. You know, communicate. I feel like we've talked about that a lot recently, and that's just maybe a. You know, well, that's something that's been on the board. It's since a pillar. Day one. It's a pillar. We're gonna keep talking about mm-hmm. it. It's a pillar of this hobby. It's a pillar of successful role-playing games. You gotta communicate. Players and game masters, you got to communicate outside the game so that everyone knows what to expect and uh, is getting what they want out of it. Mm. And then the last thing we talked about is the idea of risk versus payoff. These things change the game. Usually they introduce some sort of... Danger. uh, Yeah, some sort of danger, some sort of risk. So make sure there's something in it for your players to make it worth the risk. Make them, you know, weigh the the options, weigh the the odds and... Mm risk that gamble because you know there is a payoff waiting for them yep so that's gonna do it for this episode of two head game master Mm -hmm. as always you can find us on our website two hgm.com there's an email there for your comments and feedback Um, also we got some material Mm. on there for free we do. Uh, we have the Eclipse engine along with character sheets. Um, you know, free to use, free to do whatever you want with role-playing system. Uh, includes a death spiral for combat. It doesn't do hit points and uh, damage dice. You have a toughness value that is directly countered by injuries and mm-hmm. effects. It's very fun, I think. Um, we also have a 10-minute dungeon game up there which is free fun to just like introduce new people to role-playing games like it's a board game been very successful with our friends uh we also have links to our patreon and twitter hit us up on those yeah please please we're so lonely (laughs) um we got fun stuff on patreon we do a discord hangout we uh you know when we have people who actually want it we (laughs) We might play some games on there. We might have some exclusive, uh, you know, adventures or role-playing content to give out. But um, you got to get on there. You got to join to see. Yeah, you got to join to find out. Uh, Join us next time for another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. Real quick, um, we're going to be plugging this for the rest of the year. We are hard at work on Afterlife, our original post-apocalypse role-playing setting powered by the Eclipse Engine. Uh, stand by for details. We're looking to have that out late this year. October, around our, November, yeah. something like that. Um, and that should hopefully be really cool. We're, you know, we're talking about a print option and a digital option. We'll probably come up with a bunch of goodies to throw in with it. Uh, be very excited. We've been working on it for a while. We think it's very cool. And I believe that about does it. Thank you uh, to the Burning Saviors for their use, uh, the use of their song, Pontilla's Finest, uh, for our outro and intro. Mm-hmm. And we will see you next time. See ya. See ya.